We hear questions like these all the time. Can TSR injury law help me if I'm hurt by a defective product? Yes. How about by a dog bite? Yeah. If you've been injured, it's TSR time. Call us today for a free consultation at 612-TSR-TIME. It's the Go Gopher Podcast with Mike Grimm, episode number 11. I am Mike Grimm, voice of the Golden Gophers, and welcome back to the podcast. You want inside info on the Gopher football program? Then this week's Go Gopher Podcast is the podcast for you. Marcus Hendrickson is the director of player personnel for Gopher football. He has his finger on the pulse of everything within the program. He's been very busy of late organizing the NFL Pro Day for 13 former Gophers this week with more than 60 NFL scouts in attendance and all 32 NFL teams represented. Marcus basically serves as the point of contact between NFL teams and the Gopher football program. Marcus was with P.J. Fleck at Western Michigan as assistant director of recruiting. He came to Minnesota with P.J. Fleck in 2017. Prior to that, Marcus was an NFL area scout for both the Dolphins and the Browns. We talk about what NFL scouts are saying about the Gopher draft prospects, what they think of how Gopher football practices are run, how the exchange of information happens between players and the NFL and the Gophers, how Pro Day went this week, as well as about Marcus's brother Milt, who's the director of football operations for the Green Bay Packers. Our Go Gopher podcast is presented by by our great friends at Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're a business founder planning to exit your business, start by contacting Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. Sunbelt serves more businesses up to $5 million in revenue than anyone, and True North M&A serves companies with revenues up to $150 million. You can get a confidential, no-cost, no-obligation business valuation started today. Make the most of your life work. Visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. Our podcast is also brought to you by State Farm Agent Tony Hoagland at champlininsurance.com. Our thanks to Tony and Champlin Insurance. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast. You can also go back and listen to Go Gopher podcasts from the past. For example, last week we talked Gopher women's basketball with play-by-play announcer Justin Gard, and we broke some news saying they'd play in the WNIT. And Gopher grappling was a topic of conversation with head coach Brandon Agum. It's absolutely free for you to subscribe and for free to listen to any of the podcast at any time. Right now, it's Gopher Football Talk on the Go Gopher Podcast. Marcus Hendrickson joins me after this. Hey, Gopher fans, this is your State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland. We are super excited to be part of the new Mike Grimm Show on Talk North. For the year of 2022, we will be donating $10 to the University of Minnesota Children's Masonics Hospital for everyone that calls our office or checks in with us online and mentions that they heard about us on Talk North and the Mike Grimm Show. We are really excited again that Mike came on board with Talk North. You can reach us at 763-421-4900. You can find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Again, 763-421-4900. Or find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Roll the boat, Sky Yuma, go Gophers. With Golden Gopher football director of player personnel, Marcus Hendrickson, I'm Mike Grimm. And uh, Marcus, uh, thanks for joining us for the podcast. 
Thanks for having me, Mike. Hey, it has been a busy time of year. I know coaches are busy all the time anyway, but for you as director of player personnel, not only are you kind of in charge of making sure really all the way from high school kids and how they're evaluated all the way up through, you know, as they come through the program, and then even after they graduate and move on, you're kind of in charge of keeping them connected as a liaison, so to speak, and setting up pro days and combines and all of that stuff. So yesterday was the Gopher Pro Day. You had 13 former Gophers uh, take part and I guess if you count Sam Renner it's 14 right because uh, mm-hmm. he, he got a chance to put some numbers on on, on paper as well um, did you get get a chance last night to at least catch your breath for a minute I did I did it was kind of a it's a whirlwind the the whole process because um, you know fortunately for us since we've been here it keeps getting bigger and bigger in the last two last two pro days we've had every team represented and um, we've had seven guys draft the last two cycles Hopefully, I think we'll have, you know, four to five more guys drafted this cycle is probably my guess. And so just having this kind of consistency kind of come through our program now in terms of the number of guys, um, the number of guys participating, the number of guys pursuing this, the number of guys that want this, the number of guys who have put themselves in this position um, through their career here in Minnesota. I think that's the biggest thing is that, like, this is the cherry on top of their gopher football career is is their pro day and a lot gets put into this day um but it's in all reality it's what they've done the last four or five and some six years up until this point that really make this day um something special so you know if if a guy doesn't run as well as he wanted or he ran as really well at the end of the day the scouts are going to go back and look at the film and be like am i missing something or or you know does it does it validate so i really try to stress with our guys you know preparing for for pro day because i've spent you know i've been to hundreds of pro days myself in a different role to where it's just don't be don't be an outlier in a bad way is my is my message and you can you can you can run well you can run really well but if you're focused on running really well or jumping really far and 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 testing to the to the extreme i want to break this record number there's a greater chance you're going to stumble or slip or, or strain yourself in a way that you're not used to. And then you're going to put a bad time up. Um, and they don't let you re- redo stuff. This isn't like you're with your, your, your strength coaches where you just want to, Hey, I want, I want a couple more reps. Of this it's like, no, you put one good time down. That's it. So it's been, it's really cool just to see, this is a lot of these guys with the first group that we brought in in 2017, you know, Boye and Asesi and, and, and Blaze and even Daniel in 2018. So a lot of these guys are guys, that we were part of our first classes. And so seeing those guys kind of sending them off into the real world of, of the NFL is, is kind of kind of fun. So. Yeah, for sure. And, and and obviously, as someone who oversees it, as you do, I'm sure you take a lot of pride in watching these guys develop and put themselves in a position. You brought up an interesting point I wanted to ask you about. I was at the pro day yesterday. I, I'm, you know, I'm not an evaluator, so I don't know what everyone's looking at. Obviously, the stuff on page, the measurables are important because – Look, if they weren't important, if they didn't all write, you know, if they didn't all correlate in a general sense, we wouldn't be doing this. But clearly, there's some correlation between numbers and performance in the NFL. So that makes it an important day, as you said. And uh, there were some other non-gophers there as well yesterday. That that uh, you know, some regional guys that came in from different schools, and um, and and even with the gophers, you could sense just this palpable. I, I don't know if nervousness is the right word, but this, you know, you think about your entire football career. Is uh, is on a point now where um, 
what you do on that one day may or may not. I mean, as much as you want to say, hey, uh, you know, let's not worry about it. I, there was I, I was watching one kid. I don't know. He was not a gopher. Uh, he was doing the broad jump. And let's face it, at the end of the day, the broad jump isn't probably going to let this kid cover <laughs> a receiver better or worse. But mm-hmm. he jumped and then he fell backwards and it didn't count. And the devastation mm-hmm. on his face. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, oh, man, I feel for that poor guy. And they did give him another chance and he and he got a decent jump off it looked like. But, man, there is some, I mean, you, you work for your whole football mm-hmm. career. Now you've positioned mm-hmm. yourself and it comes down to, you know, a couple of 40-yard sprints and some cone drills and a broad jump and a vertical jump. And uh, what it says on paper uh, is going to dictate literally in some cases whether you make a million dollars or whether you make one dollar. <throat> yeah, it's there's so many layers to, to all, of, all of it in terms of pro day. And it, it's, you know, when I was a scout, I was, you know, what, what were the things that made a prospect? It was a starter in a major. It was um, production. And it was size speed. And so some of the smaller school guys, especially, like they weren't a starter at a major school. They were productive, but they're productive at a different level. So when they come to like a pro day or, or a combine, you know, what's going to allow them to stand out? It's going to be something that is is – these tangible things, whether it's your your lateral speed, your vertical speed, your explosiveness based off of the jumps, um, your your work ethic based off of your bench. Um, so like every little thing, you know, they've been recording this for for decades. And so so that's what ultimately it is. It's it's for the guys that have been starters at majors and have it productive. Do they check the boxes to fit into these guys that are play at our level, the NFL level? Do they check the boxes? in terms of the size, speed, or are they an outlier? Outlier in a bad way or outlier in a good way? And if they're an outlier in a good way, then to your point, you know, Boye jumping 41 and a half inches yesterday puts him in a position to where maybe someone's going to say, like, he is more of an elite athlete to where someone may take him a pick or two higher where that could be the difference of (laughs) tens to hundreds of thousands or even several million dollars. Or for some of the guys, it may be, um, maybe they slip a little bit because it's, you know, they're not as athletic as we thought, but they're still, they're still a starter at a major. They're still very productive players, but they're probably just a little bit less than some of these other guys that you're apples to apples against um, in your peer, peer group in the class. So there's so many things that kind of go into this giant mathematical problem of, of, of you're evaluating not only these people, but you're evaluating them against, all the other hundreds of players across the country that are going through the same process, the same window. And then how do they stack up both athletically on film? And then also just the type of how do they fit us personality, character, football character, all that stuff. So I, I enjoyed it when I was doing that stuff, but I don't envy these guys in this process right now trying to stack them all. So yeah, and and um, you were with the uh, Browns and the Dolphins within their scouting department uh, over the years, and then you got hooked up with PJ in 2016 at Western Michigan, and then uh, came with that staff uh, when they got the job. How did you get connected with PJ? How did that relationship start? Um, so I'd actually I'd actually been a young scout going through Western Michigan at one point, um, and I think it was his first year at Western Michigan. Um, came through there, um, and I was actually looking at. A former player, Donald Soskar, who's actually a former GA for us, who's now, um, I think he's back at Western Michigan as a, as a position coach. Um, and uh, so I had met him before, but then um, the football, director of football operations at Western Michigan was Nick Ulenhop, 
who um, was at Iowa State when I was going through Iowa State. Uh, Garrett Chernoff, our general manager, used to be at Iowa State. So they had a uh, uh, they had a, they had a need for someone who has like an evaluation side experience. Um, and I was I was free agent at the time. That's how we that's how we put it in the business now, free agents. <laughs> you know, um, but uh, they had a good connection with me and, and my older brother Milt, who's been in the NFL for a long time. And it was kind of just that that perfect timing, like anything in this industry is it's timing and opportunity and availability. Um, so they needed a guy with my skill set. I was available, so I jumped in. So yeah, That's great. We'll talk about your brother, Milt, here in a minute uh, later on in the podcast. So uh, we'll get some Packer takes. I know we have a few Gopher fans who are also Packer fans. Uh, and, and uh, the, you know, a unique thing, as you know, uh, you know, we're all Luther College guys. Milt and I were teammates on a baseball team at Luther. Uh, he was a freshman and I was a senior. And then he played football as well. And then you, of course, played linebacker at Luther College a few years later. And uh, so we got a little uh, legacy to uphold there with, uh, with the Norsemen. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we'll, Best part of my life right there. You know, <laughs> Fun times. In Norseman the days. Yes, for sure. We'll, we'll talk about yeah. the Norse here in a minute and talk about your background as a linebacker there. But uh, let's get back to Gophers for a moment. It, it looked to me generally like you felt it was a pretty good day for most all of the Gophers yesterday. Would you agree? Did I gauge that right in terms of kind of how it looked? <clears throat> yeah, there's there's obviously, um, you know, it says he didn't, wasn't able to work out. He's still recovering from a uh, an injury from the from the bowl game against West Virginia um, that kind of kept him out of the senior bowl, that kept him out of the combine. So we're going to have another day set up for him in a few weeks so uh, he can showcase what he can do. But there again, for him, it's just kind of um, he's another guy that's, you know, put himself in that draft, draft you know, draftable player pile uh, of candidates. And he just kind of needs to go out and do what he's capable of doing to just kind of solidify himself as that. Um, but I do think, you know, we've got several other guys that are, going to be drafted that did really well yesterday. And then we did had a bunch of other guys that showcase, you know, that are kind of maybe on the fringe that, you know, through their work ethic, through their meetings, a lot of stuff that happens too. And the day before and then during the days, we had a lot of coaches there yesterday, grabbing our guys, going and sitting down with them, a lot of scouts, grabbing them, going and sitting down with them and, and kind of just getting that one-on-one time, just kind of get, figure out what makes these guys tick a little bit. Um, and I think we've done a really good job under Coach Fleck of kind of creating a program and an environment and a culture that, like, it's really hard to play at Minnesota. It's really hard to make it through five, six years in Minnesota because of how how the standard of, of, of play and the character that is needed to, to do that. So all of these guys, these 13 guys have made it all the way through, like, they, they've they've – They've passed that test in a lot of the scouts' eyes, coaches' eyes, that they know that they're going to – these guys are going to be coachable. These guys are going to work hard. These guys are – and I think that showcased yesterday that, you know, no one had a bad day. Everyone had a good day. You know, maybe was there a certain thing, a certain number they would have wanted better here or there? Yes, but that's just the nature of, of a pro day setting where you're doing a bunch of stuff in front of um, in front of strangers, you know. So I think everyone did a very good job. And I think because of the program that we're building here in Minnesota and the culture we're building in Minnesota, a lot of these guys are going to get the benefit of the doubt and maybe get a call nowadays, um, maybe that they wouldn't have in the past, just because of the program that they're in. 
Yeah, and I, I think you're right. That's a that's an interesting way to put it. That if you're going to make it through a program that puts some demands on kids that maybe some other programs don't, from a from a, a commitment standpoint, not just on the field but other places, that um, one they're probably going to interview generally better than some mm-hmm. of their peers with with uh, mm-hmm. with 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 teams, and and likely going to you know have a higher level of uh, uh, you know of just depth of knowledge and depth of character and all of those things. So as you make it, because look. If, if it takes, you know, PJ's talked about it. it. It takes, you know, a special guy. He's not for everyone. He's talked about that. And if you're mm-hmm. gonna, you know, and I'm not saying that if a guy leaves the program, it means he's, a, you know, a, a bum or anything. But it, it take, you know, sometimes uh, it, it, it sifts out a little bit because oh, that that might not be for me. I'm gonna go try something else. So if you're gonna make it through the program, one, you're gonna end up better for it, right? Uh, in mm-hmm. general terms, and two, um, you're gonna you're gonna put on a. You're probably gonna be good at interviews. You're probably gonna be good uh, at at uh, the little things. And uh, even I was talking to Coney Durr a little bit yesterday, and I don't know what his future holds, but he was, what, a four-year starter at a, at a Big Ten school. And mm-hmm. through that time, I think he started uh, on special teams all the way up to the end. And in a couple mm-hmm. of those years, I think he was one of the quad team guys, right, on all four. Yeah. Um, and so that's got to be, uh, you know, some teams got to look at that and say there's some value there, even if he is only 5'8 as a cornerback. Maybe there's a spot mm-hmm. for him in the NFL. Yeah, and Coney's a perfect example of a guy that, you know, there are certain teams that won't – they definitely won't draft him because of his height. But will they give him, give him an opportunity? And so, so much of what I do with a lot of these guys is kind of like educate them on the process a little bit. Yep. And like, you know, it does. I really don't care where you go or, or – excuse me, I don't really care when you go. Like if you're a fifth-round pick, sixth-round pick, free agent, whatever. I care more about like where you go. How do you fit them? How do you fit their staff? What kind of opportunity are you going to get? Um, and so if they go to a place that, that fits them and they're going to get a better opportunity to compete to field, like what we put these guys through as developing them into, into young men and athletes, like their ability to, to stick. And like, I think about like Keith, I think about Jack Gibbons, they're kind of on that fringe of getting drafted or not getting drafted. I think there's teams that really, really like them and they're kind of keeping it close to the vest right now. Yep. But it's also when the draft starts, like stuff could go multiple ways based on how, how the draft falls, but they're going to make a team next year. And because of type of football players, they are type of men they are. And that's what I think is like, gets lost sometimes in with the draft stuff is, you know, the NFL draft isn't about what you've done. It's about like where you're valued and in terms of future, future potential and then positional value and all this stuff. So, a blocking tight end in the, in the modern NFL doesn't have a ton of value because very few teams put a premium on that. But the teams that do, like he's at the top of the board. They're going to love Cole, right? Yeah, you know they're going to love Cole. And so, and same thing with like Jack. Like, like Jack's a six-three linebacker that ran in the four sevens. So there's there's faster linebackers out there. But in terms of his football intelligence, his, his toughness, his body type, his physicality, like there's going to be a team that's going to fall in love with him. And at the end of the day, he's going to make a roster. He's, both those guys could play, you know, knock on wood, barring injury, you know, six plus years. And that you're talking, you know, a finite percentage of people who actually get, get to this, this point, And then let alone make it that long in the NFL. I think that's the biggest thing about talking about pro day and very few guys even get to this point. You know, very few guys get to this point where they're, they're, participating in a pro day where there's 32 NFL teams watching, um, let alone, you know, 
make it in the NFL. And that's the, I think that's the hardest part is everyone looks at the the Tom Brady's of the world, the Aaron Rodgers of the world, the, the high profile quarterbacks that make a ton of ton of money that play for 20 plus years. But they're the they're the rarity. They're the exception. They're not the rule. Most of the guys that make the NFL, they play for two and a half years and they're done. Right. And so for preparing our guys on the forefront to say, like, this is this is the type of business that you're getting into. This is the expectations of when you walk into those locker rooms and walk into those meetings. And this is why we need to prepare you for life after football, because even if you are successful and you play four or five years in the NFL, you're not making generational wealth or life changing wealth. You're making good money, very, very good money, but you're not changing your life. That's why being a, being a value member in the community is important. Being, getting your degree is very important. You know, being a, being on a team that has the highest GPA ever is very important right. because all those little things that kind of make you a better person, better human being are going to be probably a reason that makes you stick on an NFL roster, maybe a year longer. Um, but it's also going to be the thing that's going to allow you to be successful whenever that NFL career is done. So um, giving them a little bit of perspective. Sometimes I also, I also try to try to do a lot of that when I spend a lot of time with these guys leading up to the draft process um, before, well before I even get to pro day. So let me run through a couple of guys here. uh, And I think Gopher fans will enjoy your uh, analysis. As, as we mentioned, you were with the Browns and the dolphins and you've come through and, and you evaluate, I mean, some of these guys you were evaluating when they were juniors in high school and now you're going to watch them get drafted here. And, um, I think what, what's kind of fun, everyone loves the draft, uh, you know, a college guy, a pro guy, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever football Mm -hmm. fan you are, people go nuts on the draft, right? So, um, any nuggets they can get. So I'm going to ask you about a few guys. Um, and, you know, you don't have to talk five minutes about each, but just give me a little synopsis, maybe where you think they might slot in, what their strengths are, what you're hearing from, because you're in mm-hmm. contact with these scouts every single day, um, mm-hmm. like literally all the way through the season. And we'll talk about that in a minute, too, in terms of, you know, how many of these guys show up throughout the year on a practice. You know, uh, as you know, I'm lucky enough to get to go to a couple practices a week to help for our broadcast preparation. And there's never a practice that I can remember where there's not at least a couple of scouts from an NFL team, an area scout that's in there jotting notes down and and chatting with with you and um, and you kind of take them around. So I think there's probably some some nuggets about these guys that that uh, Gopher fans will will like to hear. So let's start with with the two guys that we you know we think will go first: uh, uh, Daniel Faalele, uh, Faalele and uh, mm-hmm. Boye Mafe. Uh, what 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 are some things you're hearing from uh, your NFL contacts about Daniel? So Daniel's Daniel's a Daniel's a unicorn, and I think PJ probably used that more than once this this <laughs> this, this year talking about him. He's you know, I've I've been doing NFL or major college football for going on 13, 14 years now. I've never seen anyone like him. Talking to a lot of guys, like maybe there's one guy with his body type that they've seen, but there's he's such an anomaly. And I think because of that, there's such a variance in where he can go. Um, I think his his play has gotten better every year. I think his understanding of the game has gotten better every year. And I think in terms of how I look at that, I think it's, it's you know, potential is a dangerous word in, in terms of this, but that's what the NFL draft is. It's right. about you're drafting future potential. And I think he's a guy that, um, you know, didn't, didn't grow up in America, didn't grow up playing the game um, of, of football until a later age. And so I think he's a kid as he's played more and he's understand it more, his level of play has gotten better. 
his determination to be a better football player has gotten better. I think he's put some good people around him to help him understand the process because he's a kid that just doesn't know what he doesn't know sometimes right. in terms of, in terms of understanding the game. And then now, you know, taking that next transition of, of implementing what he knows into the game. So he's, he's come so far. And I think the biggest thing for, for me is that he's better than, than people starting at right tackle in the NFL today. And I, 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 I compare him to like a Rob Havenstein who played at Wisconsin when I was scouting. He started for the Rams in the Super Bowl this year at right tackle. He's another kind of like six, seven, like three fifty, three sixty guy. So Daniel's even bigger and Daniel's more athletic, but Rob is a little bit more polished coming out. So it's kind of that kind of like if if the team sees in him what I see in him and his ability and his potential, like like he's got the ability to be an all pro someday. Um even if he doesn't reach his potential, he's still going to be good enough to start in the NFL for, for, for six, seven, eight years. Right. So that's the thing with him is like, where, where do you as a decision maker, as an evaluator, as a general manager making these decisions, do you think he's going to get there? Or do you think he's just going to be either way? You're taking a guy that's going to, going to be good enough to start. Right. So that's, that's like the, the baseline. Yeah. And so where do, at what point in the draft do you feel like you're going to, you're going to take that? So if you're a team, Late, late one, early two, that just needs needs a, a right tackle, maybe even a right guard. I think maybe that's kind of like where you're going to be looking at him, but like he's not going to get out of day two for sure. Right. You know? Well, and, and you're right. It takes just one. Maybe there might be someone hanging at 12 that, like you say, keeps it close to the vest. And they're like, this guy, we got to we gotta go for. He had 20, what was it, 29 and a half inch vertical leap for a 390 pound guy yesterday. That was pretty cool. And then I don't know, have any idea what the dude from the Eagles was doing on those, on those, uh, they had Blaze and Sam Schluter and, and uh, Daniel doing these drills. That guy, first of all, that yeah. guy from the Eagles uh, for breakfast had to drink a straight glass of testosterone, which was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, he was, that dude was crazy. Um, so he's running these guys through drills. I don't know for maybe a half hour or so, but oh. even then I noticed with Daniel, like even I don't know what you know he's like. They, they would come in and you'd put the two hands on him, you know, come mm-hmm. up with a whatever a thrust or whatever you call that mm-hmm. in football, and even the sound of his two hand poof was different mm-hmm. than Blaze and Sam, and that's not a knock on those guys, but it just it's he's just a different dude, yeah. right? I mean, and, and Blaze and Sam wouldn't take offense to it because they've been around it for four years. They they know that Daniel's different, and there's that. Him, they were striking the bag is what, what they were doing. And yeah. so like, he just, I think that other coaches were just kind of like laughing yeah. at it, you know, just kind of like, they're not used to that just natural strength of power. And I think that's the, that's the thing for, for Daniel to realize that I think the Eagles coach, uh, Jeff, he did a really good job of kind of like pushing Daniel a little bit and just because Daniel would do something and he's like, well, you can do, you can do it better than that and, and demanding him to do better than that. And so I think, you know, I mean, he him got after pushed. him a couple times. I mean, yeah, he yeah, did. Was, he did. Was, that's and I think that's what Daniel needs a little bit is sometimes is that just a little bit more, you know. And I think too when they when the guys are used to Coach Slack and Coach Callahan, our offensive line coach, coaching them, and then they get out of the the, the football team coaching setting, and then they kind of go out to the their the trainers, and they're out out in California and and doing their own thing, like they're paying these guys to to train them, you know. And so then they get back to the setting where this guy, someone that they're not paying to train them is yeah. telling them that, yeah, you need to do this this way. And also understanding like the importance of the moment. Um, yeah. He's, he's when it's click form, then boom, like, Holy cow. There's, there's that, those glimpses of like, this guy could be one of the best tackles in the NFL. And, and that's why I, I keep saying, like, I don't, I don't have a firm grasp of where he's going to go, 
because to your point, it only takes one team. Right. And in all the years that I was in draft rooms, you know, every year, day two, was it second round, third round, someone would come off of our, our free agent board in the draft. Right. And, and there'd always be guys that are taken in kind of that 15 to 32 range. Um, like that was our third round pick because right. every team builds their board different. You know, all 32 teams have a different process. They have different high weight speed parameters. They have different character parameters. They have different needs. Um, and so I just think in a, any given year, there's probably only truly 18 to 20 true first round picks. And so anytime in that second round, or the back of the first round, early second round, it's kind of a jumble anywhere from kind of 15 to 20 to 40, like AK, every board's probably very, very different. And so, you know, yeah, I, it's hard to, it's hard to prognosticate. Everyone has these mock drafts and they say this and this, and they say it with a lot of confidence, but it's once they get out of the top 10, very rarely is it, is it very accurate. Yeah. In terms of a consensus altogether. Yeah. And and one guy might have interviewed different for one team than the other, so that can affect where you're at, mm-hmm. uh, let alone film or, or, or numbers or what have you. All right, let's let's run through a couple of these guys as well. We talked about Boye and his uh, freakish nature. Um, what are you what are you hearing from uh, from the NFL folks on him? He's just extremely, extremely talented. I was next to a director yesterday when he's going through the bags and he was talking to one of his D-line coaches at the time that I used to work with at the Dolphins. And he's like, whoa, did you see that? Like, that's what I was talking about. And so you have this, another guy that didn't play football since he was eight years old, tackle football, you know? So he's a Minnesota grown kid. That's just a naturally good athlete. That's really worked really, really hard to put himself in this position. And, you know, sky's the limit for him. I think the biggest question is, is he better hand in the ground? Is he better kind of, you know, two points? So like, is he four, three, three, four? I think if you're a multiple team, a lot of teams are multiple now. I think he's got some value that way because I think he gives you some versatility in that. It's just it's going to be it's going to be position fit, and I think the, the hardest part comparing those two, like Daniel and and Boye, I think I think it's a deeper DN draft, edge rusher draft, and probably like offensive line draft. And so, um, so in a given year, you know. I look at like the quarterback class this year. Quarterback class this year is not very good. Whereas the year prior, there was five guys who went to the top what, 12 yeah. quarterbacks. Right. And so like the guy that went, you know, one, two, three were quarterbacks last year. Well, those all, any of those guys would have gone one this year. You know, it's, it's just a different, uh, every year is different in terms of that. And that's always hard to kind of advise guys on, on, on a, a draft class like this where there's extra COVID bodies and there's, yep the draft class is bigger and um, and you can never truly give them an answer of where they'll go. But I, I do think he's another guy that if he's not off the board by the end of the second round, I'll be very surprised. Right. All right. Let's talk about what we think will likely be the next two guys off blaze Andrews, offensive lineman and Asesi Atomiwo uh, defensive uh, end. Another one of those in guys. Um, what, mm-hmm. what tell us about both those guys and what you hear from, from the scouts. Yeah, I think, I think blaze blaze, has that benefit of being at kind of a premium position. And I think his intelligence, you know, I've talked to a number of guys, um, you know, we went down to Coach Fleck and Coach Callan and I went down to the Senior Bowl and talked to a lot of guys there. And a lot of guys that just came from the East-West game where he was at. He did a really good job interviewing with all those, those teams. And I think, you know, his body type, you know, how he moved at the combine, he didn't do much yesterday because he, he just did positional drills because he did it all at the combine. 
Um, he's put himself in a position where he's going to get, he's probably going to be more of a day three guy, but he's a guy that just has um, intelligence, that versatility that he showed this year, playing tackle, playing guard, uh, jumping around both sides of the line of scrimmage. Like people don't realize that there's only probably seven active offensive linemen on a game day. And so your sixth, seventh guy, you're, you're the fifth guy that does start. Like you've got to play guard and center. You've got to play inside and outside. You've got to have a swing guy that can play both right and left tackle because one of those guys is going to get hurt in the game or get dinged up for a series or like, it's just the, the, the availability is such a premium in the NFL level. And I think offensive line is probably the most devoid of talent of all the positions in the NFL. And so guys like guys like blaze and even guys like Sam, is not getting talked about as kind of like a, like a, a premier draft pick. Like those guys are going to get the opportunities to make a team because of the, the body types they have, the athleticism they have, but then also just like their intelligence, their versatility, their ability to back up and play multiple spots is going to allow them to kind of stick on a team and make that impact behind the scenes in the locker room, in the meetings that like those coaches and staffs are going to like, I can trust this guy. I believe in this guy. Like he's, he's got what it takes to, to make it. And both those guys could play for a long time just because of the intangibles, you know, because there's a lot of guys that are playing in the NFL, not because they're the best, especially up front. Mm-hmm. They're not always the best athletes, but they're, they're smart and they're tough. And if you're smart and tough and you, you're big enough uh, and you have a baseline athletic ability, you can play for a very long time. Yeah. And so I think that's a, that's the thing for, for both Blaze and, and Sam is like, where do you go? What type of opportunity do you get? And then, um, make the most of it. Yeah, and, and I would think both those guys would be pretty good. Blaze for sure. Uh, Sam seems to me a little more shy, but uh, both would be good in interviews, right? Both those guys, yes. I would think. Blaze is probably a little bit too forward sometimes. You know, <laughs> he's 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 got a little bit more personality. You know, and uh, but it, it's good, it's good. And then uh, Sam's kind of uh, Sam's always been like a good lieutenant. You know, Connor was always kind of more the brash one, and yeah. then John Michaels kind of really stepped up towards the end of years, being kind of the leader of that group, but um, Sam's always been a really good lieutenant, kind of no bullshit. Uh, apologize <laughs> for the language. No, um, it's good. Yeah. Um, but he's, I, I love Sam's just demeanor and work ethic and his whole, his whole journey at Minnesota, you know, he had to play early before he was ready, uh, took his lumps, never gave up, came back, got better, started left tackle for us for three years. Just, like, a, just a rock I, too, right? I mean, yeah, just, you know, and it's, yeah. and it's, you know, it's, you know, we're having, you know, some, a lot of conversations about who's going to be playing where up front this year. And it's, you, you really take for granted some guys like Sam when their, their careers just, you know, wasn't flashy, wasn't glamorous, but man, you know, when he's not there anymore, you're like, you know, shoot. <laughs> yeah. That's a know? hole now, so, right? It's a hole we got to fill. Yeah. 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 Uh, and Asazi, t- uh, talk about him a little bit. Yeah. Asazi, like the best thing about Asazi is just his, how hard he plays and his body type. Um, you know, he's, he's six, five, he's two eighty five yesterday, he's 34 inch arms. Like he's another guy that has that versatility to kind of be, is he a strong side end on the even front? Is he kind of a four eye on an odd front? Can, can he, can he maybe even slide inside to like a three technique? You know, he's got some of that versatility and he showed that with us over the years too. Um, third downs moving inside on some of our pass rush stuff. So, he just plays so hard. This year was really good for him, just kind of like cutting it loose even more. He's always been a, played very hard, but he's playing smarter and faster too. 
Um, and so you saw that down the stretch is um, how physical he was against tackles all year long. And that's what's going to allow him to, to, to get drafted and stick is because he's, he looks the part physically. He's a, he's a, he's a giant, giant man. And he's, his, his body type, his weight could be anywhere from, you know, he played anywhere from 270 to, to 295. And so like that versatility to kind of fit that window for the NFL there, again, you only have so many guys suit up on game day, having a guy that can play two or three spots for you is, is really key. Plus, you know, the, the length and measurables that he, that he has, and, you know, all these guys love playing the game. And, and I don't know if there's anyone that loved playing as much as the Cezzy. Like yeah. he, Big O just, he just, he played so hard all the time. He practiced so hard all the time. Um, we have those catapult stuff that kind of tracks how guys work and for, for a big man to be where he was like, it's kudos to him for, for all his, his effort and work throughout the years. Yeah. And just for though, that catapult thing is like a vest that guys wear during practice and it kind of, I don't know if it's GPS and heart rate and all this stuff that monitors, you can kind of tell, I mean, it, that's a whole nother podcast sometime we can talk about because I know PJ even at the coaches show one time was telling us in a commercial. He's like, "Yeah, they're they're telling me I gotta I gotta take it easy tomorrow on them because they, <laughs> you know the 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 system tells us we maybe overworked them yesterday or what have you." But yeah. it, it's amazing where where the games come. But I was going to ask you about Asazi because he was a commit to you guys at Western Michigan, and then you brought him over to Minnesota. You think about you know what kind of havoc he would have uh, wreaked mm-hmm. in the uh, in the in the MAC, right? He would have been mm-hmm. unbelievable. But I remember way on the on the signing. Day, um, PJ, um, I don't even know. It might have been while he was at the podium, but for sure, uh, separately, just standing off the side, he's like, he's going to be an NFL player. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how can you predict that? And he's like, no, he's going to be an NFL player. I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, PJ was right on that assessment. I'm sure you were part of that evaluation as well. Well, he was Ben Davis High School, which is a good program. That's uh, Marquise Gray's former Gopher alum. That's yep. his high school as well. Um, he, uh, he was like this, this edge long, really long, skinny edge, edge rusher. And he was kind of had that, like always worked at like speed, finesse outside move. And there was a, there was a transition for him when he got here. He's like, okay, you're 230, 240 pounds, but you're not going to be 230 playing defensive end and being this edge speed rusher guy. You're, you're, you're a power guy. You're a, you're a run stopper guy. And I think that was probably the biggest thing over the last 18 months for him um, was just like, making that mental transition like I'm I'm going to be very physical. I'm going to control my gap. I'm going to control the line of scrimmage um, and then work that pass rush move off of, you know, controlling my gap. And that's that's kind of an unsung, you know, trait, you know, um, just being able to control another man and and then uh, stop the run and, and, and get after the quarterback. So he's he had to kind of work, you know, work to get away from that 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 outside pass, you watch too much yeah. Von Miller taper, whoever was the best pass rusher in the league back then, like those outside rushes, but that's, that wasn't his body type. And I think that's, you know, kudos to him for really kind of honing his skill set in his game to fit what he can do best. Yeah, for sure. Um, we mentioned Keeft and Gibbons and Durr already a little bit in terms of what they've got. So a couple of other guys yesterday, uh, Niles Pinckney and Micah Du Treadway. And again, guys that are starters uh, at Power Fives, guys that, uh, well, I mean, you talk about Pinckney, he was on a national championship team. Uh, what, what what do you think uh, from their prospects? What, what what do you got on them? I just, I just think both those guys really put their best foot forward yesterday. I think they both did a really good job just kind of how they moved and how they tested. And I think both those guys have kind of that blue blood pedigree. 
Um, and um, I think that matters to an extent, like having, you know, um, being a very good high school player transitioning and becoming good college players, like uh, that, that goes a long way. And I think, um, I think both those guys are going to get an opportunity. I don't know when, if it'll be late in the draft or if it'll be as a free agent, I think the hard part for them is probably in this kind of, there's probably a class and a half or a class and three quarters of the class this year. You know, same thing with like Sam Schluter. I think if, if it was a, just a normal class and there wasn't kind of as diluted, I think there, there, their chances of being drafted would be significantly higher. Um, but there again, I think both those guys had the right mindset going into yesterday that they're going to put themselves in a position to get an opportunity. And then if they carry on that mindset, I think they're going to be able to maximize that, and put themselves in a position to, whether it's make a practice squad or, or, or be a kind of down the line guy that's, you know, maybe not week one, he's active, but with, by week seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, like mm-hmm. if there's an opportunity for him there too. That's just kind of how, you know, NFL rosters work is we're constricted to our 85 scholarships for the whole year. You know, if someone goes down, we can't sign a guy off the street or it's the NFL and they have injuries after injuries, they got practice squad they can pull from free agency. They can pull from, they can trade from other teams. So there's a lot more roster uh, volatility and movement to where I think there's a lot more opportunities for guys that maybe if it doesn't work today, that doesn't mean it's not going to be there tomorrow. And I think both those guys, if they keep kind of, um, staying committed the way that they showed yesterday, I think they're going to be just okay. Let me ask you about age, too, because, you know, Micah, for example, is a seventh-year guy. I don't know what's that put in, 23, 24 years old, maybe mm-hmm. 25, I don't know. But um, from a scouting side of things, in a, in a front office, NFL front office, I could look at it both ways. I don't know which way. Hey, this is a 24-year-old man that's coming in that could give us mm-hmm. stability right away, mm-hmm. or... Mm-hmm. Well, he's equal to this twenty-one-year-old from someplace, and I want the young guy that might have more upside. So, could it, does it work both ways, or how does the NFL think along those lines? I think it depends on when and where. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, if you're going to take a twenty-five-year-old player in the first round, that probably would be more of a hindrance than taking him uh, day three or as a free agent. Yeah, because um, if you're taking a guy in the first round, you're, you're you want That's them forever, a large, right? yeah. large investment. And you're, not only do you want that guy to be here for the, the terms of his first contract, you're probably anticipating no one drafts a first round pick and thinks, well, this guy's not going to be with us after, <laughs> after three years. Right, you know, like right. you're, you're anticipating this guy's going to be on your team for first contract and most likely second contract. So probably eight years, at least seven, eight years is kind of what your thought process is. And so if you're going to take a guy that's already 25, he'll be, by the time he signs his second contract, he's going to be 29 and 29 in the NFL is pretty old. Um, but if you're, if you're thinking about taking a guy in like day three, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round, you're probably not, those guys are probably thinking maybe they, it'll be good if these guys play four years. With us. Right. And then, then it's a whole different conversation of, of like, do we re-sign them at, at that second contract? So it's all about that initial investment. Right. If, if the guy's a better player, but he's 25, then, uh, than a 22-year-old, and we're talking about the seventh-round pick or sign him as a street-free agent, that doesn't matter. Gotcha. gotcha. That doesn't matter. Yeah. So. Well, um, I want to ask you real quickly, too, about Connor Olson. Um, is he, mm-hmm. Has he decided that uh, he's going to be a doctor now? My my last conversation with him was that I believe he was med school was going to be his primary focus. Gotcha. So gotcha. I don't want to speak. I don't want to speak for Connor, but I think that's where his – that's where his head and heart is. So yeah, well, good for him, right? I mean, that, that's yeah. I mean, I mean he's got an amazing I, story. Yeah, I, 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 I tried to, I tried to say uh, to him 
couple times I said, you know, like you're good enough to be on an NFL roster for five years and pay for med school. Right. <laughs> and I think, I think he, he gave everything he had to the University of Minnesota and he played more games than anyone in big 10 history. And I, I loved, I loved having him on our roster and he was, he was a really good example for a lot of our young players. And I, it's, it's his life and he gets to live how he wants to, but I just, I'm really grateful that I got to spend those years with Connor Olson. Yeah, what a quality kid, no, no question mm-hmm. about it. And what, if he's an NFL player or a doctor, he's going to be good at, at whatever he decides to do. There's, there's no question about that. Absolutely. Um, we talked about um, that this wasn't just like a one day deal yesterday, where you know scouts just all of a sudden showed up uh, throughout the fall, even in spring football um, the practices. I'm fortunate to come and watch and you know get ready and just for some basis of background on on for our radio broadcast for our listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm watching you, and you always have. Uh, sometimes it's two guys, sometimes it's six guys, or you know, guys will always wear their team colors. That's throughout the year. So, kind of take us through your job, which I suppose was a little different yesterday in organizing and getting everything set up and and all of that, compared to maybe in the middle of October when you know some guy from the Bills is calling and says, "Hey, I want to come and watch so and so. Can I come into practice?" Uh, uh, and that's that's again a major. It looks to me like a major part of what you do. Yes, yeah, it's, it's one of the hats that I that I wear for football. Uh, it's, it's one that I'm uniquely, uh, qualified for because, um, I used to be the guy you were those the guys, right? talking yeah. to the, to the pro liaison. And so because of that, I, I have a unique understanding of what they need, what they want, what they're looking for and how to frame things to put our guys in the best light, but also kind of, uh, make their day more efficient. And I feel very strongly that if you walk into a school as a, as an evaluator, as an NFL scout. And you come away with as many questions as you as you can answer, um, and you had a good experience. You're going to walk away feeling better about the prospects that you just watched mm-hmm. and the evals that you have to write that night in your hotel room. So, like, just that human kind of energy of positivity. If they feel good about their day, they're probably going to give our guys the benefit of the doubt when they're writing those reports at the end of the night. So. Um, but generally on a, on a given day, like during the fall, um, Tuesdays, Wednesdays are the big kind of days where scouts come in to watch practice. Uh, but they'll come in basically every day of the week if it's a home game. We'll have scouts on Saturdays, Fridays, um, Sundays even sometimes just to kind of watch film. Um, but I'll, I'll basically meet with them first thing. We have a team meeting and I'll meet them first thing and I'll kind of go over all the guys, kind of talk about who their, you know, who their family is. Um, uh, what their parents do, what their, what their major is, what they're studying, what type of kids they are, what kind of teammates are they. Um, so kind of all these these character boxes. Uh, I remember when I was with the Dolphins, I think we had 100 character boxes that just kind of every possible thing to to check off or check on or, or, or to evaluate. And so um, they're going to want to talk to our strength staff. They're going to want to talk to our nutritionists. They're going to want to talk to uh, our academic uh, people. Uh, and talk to their position coach, talk to the head coach. And we give them as much access as we possibly can give a day so that they can walk away feeling like they got all their answers, questions answered. And so it's a lot of my job is kind of like paint the picture initially um, and then kind of give them the access that they need to kind of get the answers to the questions maybe that I can't answer. Um, and then just kind of give them the access to watch our guys um, live. Um, and then throughout that process, just kind of build relationships and 
And, you know, um, because of my perspective, there's a lot of guys that maybe that a young scout wouldn't necessarily value, mm-hmm. but I've also been around the guy every day. Yeah. So I have a unique, unique ability to, to answer some of their questions where they didn't get to see what they wanted to see this day in practice. But I've seen that kid do this dozens of times over his tenure here. So I can generally lead them to water a little bit on which guys that they really need to focus on. Right. So. And, and from that standpoint too, um, I mean, obviously, you want to be an advocate for the players on, on the team and the roster, but mm-hmm. I suppose there does come a point, too, where those guys are watching film, those guys are watching practice. You just can't – it can't be, you know, this guy's the greatest guy ever, this guy's – I mean, you, you have to also probably talk about sometimes what the weaknesses are maybe of a guy yeah. on the roster and how how hard or how easy or how frank can those conversations be at times, maybe not only with the scout, but sometimes with the kid, too. Yeah, and so like I, I kind of had a reputation with the teams that I was with, always being a hard grader. Very, cons- but it was consistent. But I was a hard grader, so I'm very much more like a, a realist when it comes to a lot of this stuff. And so when we were going back and talking about like some of the guys and where they think they'll go, I'm a little bit. Coach Fleck would be upset with me a little bit. Glass half empty with a little <laughs> bit, kind of like you know more cautious, more conservative with sure. kind of eval because um, I've, I've just I, I always tell every guy I say I've seen better players than you not make it. And I've seen worse players than you make it. And to God's honest truth that it's a timing thing. It's an opportunity thing. It's what you do with your opportunity. And um, as long as you kind of check certain metrics, like you're going to get an opportunity kind of going back to what, what makes a prospect. But um, it is, it is hard. And I tell, I tell the guys too, that like for me to maintain my credibility in my role, it's, it's a disservice for me to, to not be forward and forthright and honest. And, and especially when it comes to like the background and the character of the young men, because if I lie about player X, I'm going to burn that bridge with that team. So then next year, when we do have a player that is really exceptional or outstanding in this, it's like, well, you said that about this last guy. Right. That wasn't true. Right. And so I'm always going to be, you know, as honest as I can be, I can't, there's certain things that I can't say certain times, but, I'm always going to be as honest as I can be, um, just just for 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 my sake, my career's sake, but also for the future players that are going to come through our program. But thankfully, with, with the way Coach Fleck runs his program, it's not like I'm in a position where I have to like I really have to be misleading or tell half truths about these guys because it's there's a lot of really really good young men in our program that are doing the right things on a consistent basis that makes my job very easy. So. I do have some jokes with some scouts about if they if they're if they're here today, why are you even asking you yeah. know, questions about like what kind of worker or, or characters like he, he was here for five years. That should be that should be enough for you to understand <laughs> if this kid can do it or not. So is there a time like obviously you have an evaluator's background, a scout's background, you know what they're all looking for and and you're around these kids more than they are. So is there ever a time where you're caught off guard by a scout who says, Hey, I saw this in practice. What about this? Can you tell the kid this? And you're like Oh, that's something that maybe, yeah, you're right. That's something I hadn't seen. Are you pretty well, like, I'm guessing that doesn't happen often. Or is there something where a scout will say to you, hey, I noticed this with this guy, and you say, yeah, exactly. I've talked to him, or hey, I'm going to talk to, uh, you know, the player about this, and, and we'll work on it. Yeah, I think there's there, there there's time where there's kind of genuine kind of like feedback and uh, that I get in, in terms of what they're seeing and what I what maybe I can address with the guys and say, I do like to, to frame a lot of stuff with the guys like this is what I see of you at practice. And if I'm seeing that, 
I know that they're going to see that. Mm -hmm. So whether it's your body language, whether it's how you're interacting with your teammates, how you're responding to your coaches, how you're responding to coaching in general. Um, And you've been to many of our practices and it's really hard for people to not walk away from them being like, holy cow, look at these guys running from station to station to station. And that just kind of feeds back into like, Daniel was a 400 pound man. He had to run from drill to drill to drill to station to station to station. And they'd be like, does Daniel ever get tired? I'm like, have you seen how we practice? You know, like, like we are, we were the best program for Daniel because we were going to push him to be his absolute best because of how coach Fleck runs his practices. And so there are a lot of times where I can get feedback from guys and I can, and I can, I can talk to the guys like, Hey, here's what I see, or here's what I'm hearing to help them either change their best, change their, change their, some of their habits. But it's also a fine line of, I don't want to, I'm not a coach. I'm not a play caller. I'm not the ones kind of um, coaching them on their technique or anything. So it's like, I don't, I don't say, Hey, technique wise, but I, I I will talk to our guys a lot of times about just kind of the opportunities that they've been giving and and how they need to maximize those opportunities, whether it's, just that their level of intensity, level of focus, whatever it is that I can see from the scouting standpoint, because I know other guys can see that too. From a practice standpoint, you know, uh, watching you guys practice, it's, I, I think I've called it even on the air before, it's like this organized chaos. I think it's by design. You want to put guys mm-hmm. under pressure. You want to make it fast-paced. You want to put them under some stress. But you don't want it to go four hours or three hours. It's it's mm-hmm. it, it's a quick practice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been to other practices and watched NFL practices and other schools and different things. Um, I'm curious what scouts say to you about how uh, PJ and the coaching staff uh, uh, handles practice. Uh, what's the feedback? back generally are people like whoa man that's that's something or are they you know what what, what do they tell you generally they love it because it's it is a condensed practice and they get to see a lot in a short amount of time so they're not standing out there for three hours sometimes (laughs) watching practice right um but it's 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 good because it's um it's train chaos and it's you're creating an environment an adverse environment so that you know, our shot clock is at least 10 to 15 seconds less than a game shot clock to where like quarterbacks, the players have to get lined up faster, make decisions faster. And so when you get to a game day setting, it's going to be slower. It's going to be calmer. They're going to feel more in control because of their standard that they're used to is, is more hectic. It's more chaotic. So it's, it's, it's like anything. If you, if you were training, uh, military forces or, or other, you know, like they don't train in, in kind of the best days. They train in the worst days right? to, to prepare them for those moments. And I, I think a lot of NFL personnel really respect how we, we practice, how we operate, because it, it really showcases, um, like these guys will be ready for whatever we throw at them. They're used to training in chaos, training in hard environments, being coached hard, um, being demanded, you know, uh, maintaining a standard of, of 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 performance every day. So, yeah, it's I've I've always enjoyed it. I've appreciated watching uh, you know the the way that the, the practice goes, and I've appreciated just from a, being a busy myself to to have it you know to have it condensed. There is something mm-hmm. to be said for that, and I think guys players appreciate that as well. You know, let's get mm-hmm. the work done, 
and then mm-hmm. and then uh, and then move on. But yeah, it's a very organ. It's very organized. But if you don't know, like if you just dropped down and didn't know football and just dropped in from you know off the face of the earth, yeah. uh, and, and you know some guy who's never seen football, you'd think that these guys have no idea what's going on. But yeah. it's amazing. I think too, what I've noticed maybe now that. Everybody, um, you know, because the first year or two, you, you have roster turnover, and everyone's a freshman, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Where do we go mm-hmm. here? Now the whistle blows, and it's the seniors telling the freshmen, "Here's where we're going." And it is—it's it, like a machine, man. The way that yeah. thing works, you know, you got the flag, you got the horn, you got the whistle, you got music playing, you got drills, PJs on the mic. Um, it is—it is a—it is. I, I mean, I'm—you I, know—I love football, and um, you know, I don't know it intricately like you guys do in terms of evaluation, but uh, for a guy who loves football, it is just a pleasure to to be at a practice and watch it unfold yeah it's it's something i try to remind our, our staff and, and some of our other players because i've i've seen probably 150 different schools practices mm-hmm. different coaches styles and different and i haven't seen a team practice the way that we practice and um i've seen teams try to emulate it and in, in some of the the chaos that they create but not the 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 tempo and they, to your point, the organization. Um, so it's 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 really impressive. It, we take it for granted sometimes because we see it all the right. time. But when we if we would if we would go somewhere else for a day and just watch their practice, it's very very right. different. Well, and that that's the beauty is it's it's very organized. But if you didn't know what was going on, you'd be like these guys are the most disorganized group of people <laughs> ever. But it's it's perfectly yeah. uh, it's like a well oiled machine. Now, well let let's talk quickly about uh, Luther College. We we mentioned it and teased it early in the podcast here. Uh, you played football at Luther. Uh, your brother Milt, who is now uh, what is he the number two man in charge of the front office at the Packers? Yeah, I think he's the title is the director of football operations. Gotcha, um, gotcha. So he's. He, Works for Brian Gutekunst, who's an old friend of his. Uh, they, uh, when Mel left Luther College, he went and got his master's at UW Lacrosse, and that's where Brian was also coaching, teaching at uh, UW Lacrosse at the time. So they became, they were roommates and fast friends. So there's, there's, there's many a good story about those two. Um, and they uh, they were younger. So and of course Brian's dad John was the head coach here yep. at Minnesota, and Daryl Thompson uh, played for him. Yeah. And um, and there's there's a few good Goody stories as well over the years yeah. from from we went to uh, here. Uh, Brian came down to Brian and Mel came down to Pro Day last year uh, to look at uh, Bateman and uh, Ben St. Juice, and we went to a we went to a restaurant in downtown Minneapolis. I, 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 the name is slipping me, but um, it was an old kind of stomping ground for his dad. Yeah. The guy who worked there was had been there since his dad oh man that's so awesome it was uh it was it was kind of funny hearing some of those stories <laughs> that just kind of <laughs> the old old staff way back when they still played the Metrodome back in the day. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, so Milt, uh, Milt, Milt, second in charge, and he was uh, a first baseman. He was one. So I was at Luther. I played baseball uh, for four years at Luther as well. He played baseball and football, um, and he was one. I was just thinking about this yesterday because I hadn't seen him in a long time, and it was fun to catch up with him at the pro day yesterday. He was there watching the Gophers, and um, I got thinking about it after that conversation. I think in my time there was only two freshmen that started like from day one, maybe three, and Milt was one. Like day one, mm-hmm. we could tell he was big, uh, strong, good arm, could hit the ball a ton. And day one, uh, first baseman, Coach Solberg uh, said, Milt, you're a starter at first base. And um, I, I would rotate between left and right field depending on where they thought they wouldn't hit it. They'd put me there. <laughs> and um, and uh, and so Milt was was a starter from day one. But uh, it was uh, I, I, I always liked Milt. He was, a, he was a good guy. And then he ended up uh, going back to Luther and coaching both football and, and, and yep. baseball in, in various uh, duties, right? Yeah, so he, uh, 
he graduated in 96 and then uh, was doing, um, he was teaching and coaching at uh, lacrosse. And then he was at uh, DeSoto High School, which is just on the river of Wisconsin. Uh, they went 27-0 state champs, I think, in 2001. 2001, 2002, I think. Um, gotcha. State champs, on the first first and only um, undefeated state champs in baseball. So, And then he went and started coaching at Luther. And then uh, he actually recruited me to go to Luther um, in 2004. And then he interned for the Packers at that training camp. So it was kind of nice. You know, uh, Melt had been there for four or five years already. All the people knew who Melt was, and I was coming in. And I actually got a week to kind of be Marcus instead of just yeah. – uh, Coach Melt's little brother. So, um, and then, uh, then he left that spring to go to Baltimore. He was there for about 15 years before he left to go to Green Bay. Go so. to Green Bay. So he recruited you to Luther, and uh, and it, it is funny because Luther is definitely a place, and and certainly people who are listening to the podcast, I'm sure we have Luther grads that are Gopher fans listening, and uh, hopefully we have no Wartburg grads listening. We don't we don't need we don't need the, any of those people listening to the to the podcast at this point. No, no, we, we welcome everybody. I don't want to turn anybody <laughs> away, even even from from Wartburg College. But um, it is it does become a legacy or a family affair. So you and your brother went. So just for me personally, so I went. My younger brother went. My younger brother's wife went. My younger brother's wife, sister, all Luther grads. My wife, I met at Luther. Her sister played tennis at Luther. My wife played basketball at Luther. Um, My wife's sister's husband ran cross country at Luther, and his sister's husband is the men's basketball coach at Luther. So it, you know, it, it, uh, it, 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 uh, yeah, it, the, the family chain. Once you start, yeah. you can't get out of it. Now, my niece is a tennis player at Luther. My brother's daughter is a, is a senior right now at Luther as a tennis player. They're going to Florida this week, in fact, for a for a uh, tournament down there. So um, I don't know if you can extend your family chain that long, but it um, it, it is a, it is a pretty cool place in the valley, uh, as I like to call it. It's God's country there. It's it's a be- it's a beautiful spot, and uh, I keep joking that uh, my. Uh, I've got a lot of nieces and nephews. My, so Mel went to Luther in 92 and 96. And then my brother Marty went to Luther from 96 to 2000. He played football as well. And then my brother Mitch decided not to go to Luther and play football. So, and then it was up to me <laughs> to, to play, to, to carry it on. So my parents yeah. parents were very busy going to a lot of football and, and baseball games uh, at Luther all over the years. My mom actually went there in 68 uh, for a year before she transferred to, to go to school with my dad. So thankfully she did that. So she chose, chose, you know, dad and the boys over a Luther degree. So can't blame her. Yeah, no, no, that that's awesome. That's that's pretty cool. The uh, the connections, indeed. Um, and they've got a new coach now who has some St. Olaf connections, and the defensive coordinator is a former Gopher now, uh, Keenan Cooper. That is, that is correct. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of yep. cool. Uh, I've, I've I've spoken to the head coach, and I know uh, I know uh, Renee Hartle very well. The uh, AD, the the athletic director. Her um, her brother played football with me at Luther, and she was the softball coach there at the same time. And she knew Mel very well uh, when Mel was coaching um, football and baseball there too. So it's um, she's been in contact with me a lot about these these hires. And it's really really promising to see the future of Gopher, or Luther football, excuse me, and where they're heading and the people that they're putting in there to, to I think revitalize the program. Yeah, I'm really excited about. It. Yeah, no doubt. I'm excited too. I'm excited that Keenan's getting that chance as well. Um, real quickly, two quick ones because I know. Um, speaking of uh, of legacy, uh, you may you know. So you, I know your wife is what thirty eight weeks pregnant. Uh, thirty eight weeks today. Today, yep. so you have a doctor's appointment you have to get to. So maybe a future. You know, if it's a boy or a girl yet, but uh, maybe we're a, waiting. We're waiting. waiting. Yeah, good. I like it's, that. That's what we yeah. did too. Yeah, but so maybe a future uh, Norse uh, athlete. Maybe a future golfer athlete. Who knows? Yeah. 
I was uh, I was joking with some scouts yesterday because we always talk about like body types and arm length and all these kind of weird traits that we talk about to make sure that portray a player in the best light. So I was I'm, I'm saying it's going to be an interior offensive lineman, <laughs> center guard probably, and then they told me to make sure it learns how to snap at an early age. So that's always kind of <laughs> no the, doubt. That's the that's the scouts cheat code of how to get a, someone in the NFL is like can they snap or not. Yeah, and you mean long snap, not just uh, yep. short snap, right? Yeah. Yep, yeah, yep. for so sure. That's, the, that's your that's your ticket to six k salary right there. It's no, no doubt. Being able to snap. Nice long extended career. Well, hey, we'll let you go so you and your wife can get to the doctor. Good luck with that. It will be fun. Uh, maybe we can catch up again because I'd like to go on the other end of this and, and uh, chat with you sometime on a podcast about uh, high school kids and how you Absolutely. and the staff evaluates them, which uh, you know is the total opposite of what we're talking about here. Once you've seen these guys through yeah. the whole program, but hey, I think Gopher fans uh, are really going to enjoy this conversation. Thanks so much. I appreciate it, Mike. Have a wonderful day. My thanks to Golden Gopher Football Director of Player Personnel, Marcus Hendrickson, for joining me on our Go Gopher podcast. I hope you enjoyed hearing the inside scoop on Gopher football from a good football guy. Again, our thanks to our presenting sponsor, Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're buying or selling a business, visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com. The Go Gopher podcast is also brought to you by State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland. Again, I'd invite you to listen to past podcasts, and please be sure to click the subscribe button to the Go Gopher podcast right now. It's absolutely free to listen at any time. We'll talk again next week.